You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. It is 8.04 in the morning. It was really sunny outside, but the glare was getting in my eyes, so I closed the curtains. No it more is sun. so cold out there. I just ducked out to use our outhouse. I didn't realise how nice and warm and toasty it is in here. With like, I think we have like three heaters on. <laughs> outside is freezing. Oh, yikes. Hey, well, <laughs> man, I'm keen to get out there. Do you, know, do you know, last night, I, it was so cold. That even in my bedroom, which is an interior room, my oil, I have like a moisturizer oil, mm-hmm. solidified. <laughs> yeah, TJ Shell's nodding. Yeah, yeah, the, the oil it solidified. It went solid? Mm-hmm. Couldn't even moisturize. Because usually I have like a little uh, a little jar with a pipette in it, and I can pull it out and like moisturize my hands and moisturize my legs and stuff. And I always moisturize my heels before I go to bed because I have like cracked old lady heels. Could, I, could, I couldn't even do that because all my oil had solidified. Oh! And I'm I'm literally like inside a huge building. I'm, I'm in an interior room in the center of a building, so I'm usually even when it's cold, I'm, it's very warm in there. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like in a normal house right now. Yeah, I would, so because that's like out Raymond Terrace way, which mm-hmm. is like a bit inland. I'm on the lake basically, so that makes it colder, right? No, no, it makes, makes it, it warmer. Makes okay. it warmer. Okay. So it wasn't that bad, but it was still like it was four degrees yeah. when I, you know, left home this morning, and uh, I did. I struggled to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. So my house, my house doesn't have like central heating or anything. It's got my house has one air conditioner that is in the lounge room, which is sealed off from my area of the house because there's a door. That sounds amazing. I hate ducted aircon. Sure. Mm. Well, it's too hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, but then there's no heating. I'm basically living in a tin box. I love that um, kind where of thing, though. But there's no insulation. There's nothing. I'm it's, into it. Yeah. It's uh, it's when I lived freezing. when I lived in Michigan in America, like in the winter, it was like so cold. Like you had those Americans had like those double double windows that kind no. of stuff going on. And um, you know, when you're in a ducted house, one person <laughs> decides how hot everyone's going to gonna crank be. It, yeah. And so they always had the aircon on, uh, the heater on, and it was coming through vents in the floor, and I mm-hmm. was just. Melting. It was like I felt like I was in Kalgoorlie in the middle of the outback, and it, it was so it was so bad. And the thing is, you open like, the window even a tiny bit, and it was like the cold was like knives coming in and stabbing you. There was there was no medium, and so in the end, I had to get furniture. I looked this up to see that it was safe, but I got furniture and then I piled it on top of the vent so the heat wouldn't come into my room. Oh, the vent was in the bottom. It was in the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. And it shot up into the room. It was so hot. That's. I wonder if Absolute there's something you could have blocked it. I with. sweat more in a Michigan winter than I have in any summer anywhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they all heat their insulated houses to the hilt, and, and then so you can like. Constantly sweating. Yeah, oh, I mean, you're probably living with a group of people, so you can't do this. Mm-hmm. But it's like the middle of winter. It's literally like a blizzard outside, and you can walk around in your undies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not in a share house. Lawson. Not in a share house. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, hard to do. Hey, anyway. we need a quiz. Yes. Okay. So finish this proverb. Labor not to be blank. Oh, okay. Labor not to be blank. Finish that proverb. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you will go into the door to win. It's a Bible, actually, a really beautiful Bible. It is a um, vegan leather brown uh, comfort print. So it's a nice large print. Journaling Bible, so you can um, uh, journal in the uh, in the margins. Uh, it has nice big uh, spaces down the side. It is a gorgeous NKJV, beautiful Bible. Uh, you can actually look it up on online. You can look up look up journal the word reference Bible, and uh, you can see there. And we have a brown one for you. 
uh, if you can get one of the quizzes right and get yourself into the grand prize draw for Friday. Absolutely. 0491-064-669. We've got a text message coming in from uh, Bruce, and he writes, We all have a personal relationship with God, so we don't see everything in the same way. Uh, so your way is not the only way, Lawson, and, and now we'll see what that's regarding. Six is representative of a man um, and who has a mental, physical, and spiritual part to his nature, 666. God's number is 777. Father, uh, you know, mental, Jesus, physical, Holy Spirit, spiritual. So that comes in from Bruce. And yeah, thanks, Bruce, for, for writing in. I think because my point is that 666 isn't like the Satan number that everyone portrays it to be. It's the number of the beast, but it's not like the the Satan number. And, and yes, there is some level to numerology. And yeah, like the, the number six was used right throughout pagan religion. Um, you know, in, in fact, the imperial system, like feet and inches, was based on, you know, numerals of like, like and, uh, oh, what's the word? Like times, um, like divisions. And multiplications. Of, multiplications of, of six. So no wonder it's such a mess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you know, it's like 12 inches in a foot and, you know, these kinds mm-hmm. of things. Um, and because of this, like, so the imperial system in... In the French Revolution, they tried to do away with the imperial system in favor of the metric system because they saw it as relying on like religion to to inform them. You know, similar similarly how they have attempted to do away. You know, and they pretty much have like BC and AD. Like in the historical world, we say BCE and CE. You know, before Common Era, Common Era, rather than you know before Christ and. Um, then it's AD, you'd think it's like, uh, it's, I remember people saying to me when I was young, it's after death, but it's actually like a Latin word. It's like something domino, it's adventia domino, something like this. So it's like when they calculated Jesus to be born, that was actually incorrect by like four, four years, three years. But um, yeah, but yeah, so Bruce, I, I, I see what you're saying. But then simultaneously, 777, it's actually interesting to note that while seven is you know, regarded as a complete number in the Bible, the number 777 isn't anywhere in the isn't, Bible. In yeah. fact, the only place that it is in the Bible is the age of Lamech uh, when, let me see here, the age of Lamech when he died. Yeah. So Lamech, who's like Noah's father, he was 777 years old and he died. But we don't see 777 actually portrayed in the Bible as a number. It's, I think it's just something that Christians made up and then they sort of ran with it. Yeah. And now you can see it in all sort of like... Our, I want to say almost like our, our paraphernalia, Christian bumper yeah, stickers and that absolutely. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, like in Christianity, and I'm just reading from the Wikipedia here, um, it says, according to the American publication, the Orthodox Study Bible, 777 represent, represents the threefold perfection of the Trinity. Now, again, that isn't derived necessarily from a Bible verse that says that, but rather an observation. And I can see where Bruce is coming from in his observation as well. So thank you for texting in. And I, I love I love talking about this stuff. Hey, if you've got any perspectives on the Bible, any perspectives on our interview, religious liberty, all of those different things, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Monica, I have a mission for you. Ooh la la. Mission in, accepted. And your mission should, I, should, should you choose to accept it, which you already did? Yeah, I could say anything right now. I love a good. Oh, I really, say, I could say, no. Monica, you have to get up and leave. And uh, bye. <laughs> she, she's walking out of the studio and uh, and buy me breakfast. I I cooked you breakfast, son. Well, I ate your leftovers. <laughs> 
And I, they were really good. I don't think you understand, Ex- Lawson. Every morning when I dish out my breakfast into my little takeaway container, I always put extra scoops in there because no I'm way. 100%. I know how much I can eat. Do you really think I'm like, oh, I'm full every time because I don't know how to measure? <laughs> Maybe. I'm like, I'm a middle-aged woman. I figured it out by now, son. <laughs> I always put a couple of scoops in extra for you, but I'm never quite sure if you want some or not. So I go, oh, I'm full. Just see that you want some because you're always like, oh, can I have it? <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying you food. Flab- I'm cooking you I food. am flabbergasted it's- at this game that's been <laughs> unfolding It's not a game. What, you know what it is? What? It's just the woman's instinct to nurture. Wow. I just, I just think of you like all oh, hungry and alone and dressed like Paddington. <sighs> so, and- <laughs> so many, so many women feel that way towards me, you know? Yeah, they just 100%. They really feel sorry for me and want to help me out. Like, I... It's just a woman's thing. We see hungry people and we just want to feed them. Uh, want to pat cute. you on the head, give you a little hug, change uh. your nappy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, don't, don't tell them about that. <laughs> but I'm glad you liked my uh, my breakfast. No, it was good. It was some, some vegan butter chicken. Yeah. i got to tell you, man, mm. oh, I had the best food yesterday. Like, yeah. Maybe yeah. like the best meal I've eaten all year. Oh. Not even kidding. Oh. I went down to Sydney and ate some some peppercorn kitchen mulletong, bro. Ooh. Oh, completely vegan. You just oh, so good. And You're by, really into that mulletong. By mulletong, it's like a big bowl, and you put, chuck a ton of ingredients in it, and then you give it to the chef, and they cook it up for you and give it back, and it's just so good. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm going to be terrible at those kind of restaurants because I tend to overthink it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where you just need to like. I'd be like, recommend me something. Yeah, yeah, you just go. You just go. Okay, what is edible? And by edible, I mean vegan. Oh, for right, me. right, right. I'm right, like, right. okay, what's edible? I'm gonna chuck it in and eat it. And I've had enough experience to, you know, I kind of know what I want. So we should go together because then I can hook you up yeah. with the best of the best. So what was the mission? Oh, oh, oh it was to read the Bible. That's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do a Bible study. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. We've come to our last week of the three cosmic messages, looking at God's message to the end of time. And you know what? Let's just, let's just do a little, little review this morning. Mm-hmm. Monica, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Revelation chapter verse 6. Uh, chapter 14 and verse 6, if you need that. Get that for us and read through to verse 12. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Continue. Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Continue. And another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations of the wine of her wrath, drink the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Mm-hmm. Am I continuing? Continue? Yeah. <laughs> till, till verse 12. Till oh, okay. Verse 12. Then, a, then a third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast in his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. 
Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Okay, so this is our last week. And I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, we've pretty much covered everything. We could just do a recap. But as I listen to you speak, mm. I'm like, man, have we covered everything? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think there's some aspects here that we need to, to pick up. So we've definitely done the first message. First yeah. message, you know, Worship God at the end of time because he is the creator. Amen. Amen. All right. Second message. Babylon is fallen is fallen. There is false religion. You need to get it. Like God is calling us, come out of her, my people. I think these two messages we've seen in, we've observed in particular detail. Uh, it's, I think it's the third message here that is... I, I'm like, oh, man. Well, we looked last week. We talked about the mark of the beast and the seal of God, and we talked about how the mark of the beast would be the enforcement of legislation that stops us from keeping God's law. And the place where that is particularly observable is in regards to the Sabbath. And we, But then we thought, okay, well, who is enabling the world to enforce this um, legislation? And we said, well, it's some type of false Christianity. And we looked at, okay, well, who is this false Christianity or who is this antichrist that misrepresents God? And when we surveyed what the text says, what prophecy says, identifying this antichrist power, we came to the conclusion that this is none other. It can be none other than the papacy. We're talking about a group that had its foundation in the Middle Ages that is powerful, political. Um, it... Uh, has the it attempts to change God's times and laws. It persecutes you know people throughout its existence. It receives a mortal wound. We talked about that last week. We talked about how 538 AD is the essentially the we see the foundation of Catholicism as both a spiritual and a political power because at that time it um, gained victory over the the final kingdom that it was to take, have gained victory over the Ostrogoths and, uh, you know, the Romans asserted themselves, you know, within Rome as a as a political and a religious power. Um, and the, the papacy was, was, by decree of Justinian, turned into a political figure in 538. So we see, we see that taking place, and we see that, yeah, the Bible is highlighting this, but, oh, yeah, that's right, it receives a mortal wound. It says 1,260 years later, it would receive a mortal wound, and we said, okay, well, what's 1,260 years after 538, and we come to 1798, and what happened in 1798? Well, the Vatican was ransacked, and the Pope was taken captive, and the Pope died in captivity, and at that point, the papacy ceased to exist, completely ceased to exist. But as a result of this ceasing to exist, a couple years later... Um, although it would receive a mortal wound, the Bible says that that mortal wound would be healed, and we saw that mortal wound be healed um, in the sense that, you know, by 1929, Mussolini reinstates the Vatican City as its own nation state, and it is to this day. So we identified this power, and we identified that, okay, along according to its philosophy, this power's philosophy, to stand in the way of God and to... Pay, oh, also, the other thing that it does is it commits blasphemies against God, so it makes itself to be God, and it claims the, fugility, the ability to forgive sins, which is something that the Catholic Church and the papacy does. That, that is their claim to do. Their, yeah. their, they claim to do. That is, like, the 100% their theology and their philosophy is that you can only receive 
forgiveness through the priest, who connects to the bishop, who connects to the archbishop, who connects to the cardinal, who connects to the pope. And the pope is the singular vicar of Christ. So he's the person in place of Christ. The pope is in place of Christ on this earth, which we say, nope, the person who you go to receive forgiveness is Jesus. Now, we've identified all of this, and then we come to the third angel's message, and we see this mark of the beast here. And again, we talked last week, it's the enforcement um, of you know, uh, things that are against God's law, and we looked particularly in the area of the Sabbath. But then it says, if you drink of the wine of the wrath of the fornication, if you receive the mark of the beast, then you'll essentially be lost. It's like, okay, that's tough. But how does it describe that? Do you want to pick it up? Revelation chapter 14, and do you want to read for for us verse 9 to verse 12 again? Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships a beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or in his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Okay, so we come to this passage here and we read that if you, you know, receive the mark of the beast, this is the thing that will cause you to be lost. You know, at the end of time, when the mark of the beast gets enforced and when the people are divided just before Jesus comes back, you know, there's the righteous and the wicked. Throughout all time, people have been divided in righteous or wicked because either they've chosen to repent throughout their life and to give their hearts to Jesus, or they've chosen not to do that, right? And they've ultimately been accounted as righteous or wicked. And there's, you know, some more conversation to go into that. You could say, oh, what about the people who didn't know Jesus and who never met Christians, never repented? And the Bible is very clear. Romans chapter 2 that the Gentiles live as a law unto themselves and they live up to the light that they know. And and this is also why, you know, despite I, I'm me very ardently believing that the papacy is acting as the Antichrist and the Bible identifies them as such, I don't believe that every Catholic is lost. Mm. Um, and throughout history, every Catholic is lost. I think that most Catholics live up to the light that they know. But as we were saying last week, when the Catholic Church then enforces you to worship, literally to worship itself... To worship yourself and to worship Satan rather than to worship God, which is what they're attempting to do at the end of time, that's when we come unstuck. It's like, okay, you've got a clear decision to make here. Is it the tradition of the church or is it following Jesus? Now, this all being said, uh, we come to this situation, it's like, okay, people are lost. And then it describes them being lost here, you know, if they've received the mark of the beast and they drink of the wine of the wrath of God's, you know, of, of, of God's, you know, power and... It's like, okay, they're going to be lost. And then it says, and they will be tormented in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and their smoke shall arise forever and ever, and they will have no rest day or night. And I hear a sentence like that, and it kind of makes me shiver a little bit. Yeah. Because it's like, wait, so obviously, you know, the reward for following Jesus is, is eternal life in heaven. But is the punishment God and Jesus putting me in a lake of fire to be burned for all eternity and to die? Like, but to not die, just to be tortured for the rest of eternity? Is that is that really what God is saying? Is that the is that why I need to be really ready for heaven? Because if I'm not, then I'm going to be you know 
go to hell for eternity and be burnt? Is, is that what the Bible is saying? We're going to explore this in our next section, and we're going to be looking at what this phrase forever and ever means and whether the Bible is actually describing an eternally burning hell in which sinners are tortured. Because the big question that comes up here, and I actually really like how some evangelists have put it, you know, particularly um, Alas Southwell or a C.D. Brooks or whatever it may be, and the question comes up, it's like, is God more moral than the most evil dictators that have ever existed on earth? Because at least those dictators eventually let their victims die. But is God less moral than them because he burns people for eternity? Hey, we're going to see. But right now, this is PJ Anderson with It Is Well With My Soul. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Here's another clue for the quiz. Yeah, hit us with it. <laughs> Am I cool enough now? Okay, what woman was raised from the dead by Peter through the Spirit of God? Mm, what woman was raised from the dead by Peter through the Spirit of God? 0491064669. Get yourself into the grand prize draw happening this Friday where you could potentially win a Journal of the Word reference Bible NKJV with vegan leather and a comfort print in a beautiful brown color. Mm-hmm. Now, the question was asked before the song break there, is God less moral than an Adolf Hitler, a Pol Pot, a Joseph Stalin? Because although those people you know, were responsible for lots of death and probably enjoyed it as well, eventually they let their victims die. Mm-hmm. Whereas God is like, nah, you know, if you did the wrong thing, then I'm going to burn you for eternity. Now, the way that I phrase that question obviously puts you in a mindset that it's leading. It's like, oh, hey, so this person is from the perspective that that is probably immoral. Now, from the perspective of someone who believes in an eternally burning hell, you know, the the view there is that, oh, well, you know, God is sovereign and his punishment is, you know, to a level that he deems appropriate and God being perfect, you know, it's the the perfect amount of 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 punishment. And who are we to to, you know, search and understand um, the justice of God, like God is inherently just. And if we have a perspective that, does, that doesn't line up with that, then we must be in the wrong. And, and that idea is inherently is very, very Calvinist uh, in nature. And it's something I, I, I assert that um, maybe you're a Calvinist listening this morning, but I, I assert that because that's simply what John Calvin says. You know, I wrote an essay about it. He often calls, he says, God, you know, God's judgment are for great reason called a great deep that we don't understand. You know, we don't understand God's judgment or justice. But for me personally, I'm like, well, you know, the Bible simultaneously says, you know, come now, let us reason together. God is wanting to enlighten us, to give us truth and to help us to understand. And even though we see through a mirror dimly now, he's wanting to enlighten us with truth. And I, I try to understand it. I try to look at it and I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think I can. I don't think I can understand it. But then it's the next question comes up. It's like, okay, do we compromise truth? Um, because we don't understand how God could be good, uh, you know, if it's an eternally burning hell. But then I, the next question I'd ask, I'm like, well, is this truth, is it truth being compromised? Or what, what are we doing here? And, and what I'm ultimately appealing to is, hey, well, let's research what the Bible says on this topic. Let's see if the Bible promotes, you know, consistently the idea of an eternally burning hell that you're stuck in forever. Particularly because in verse 10, of Revelation chapter 14, in verse 10 11, it says that the smoke of their torment will arise forever and ever. 
And it's like, well, that seems pretty clear. It sounds like eternally burning hell. Just keeps going on and on. But if we do a survey of some other verses in the Bible, are we sure that that is what the Bible is saying? Let's go to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, if you can head there for us, Monica. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Matthew 10 and verse 28. I'm going to be reading from the NKJV, and it says this. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to to destroy both soul and body in hell. Mm. So fear God, and, and we could look at many more proof texts that see this, but we see consistently in the Bible when the Bible talks about hell taking place, it doesn't describe an eternally burning torture, but rather it talks about people being destroyed. Mm. Here it says, you know, if, don't don't fear um, someone who can just destroy the body, whether it's man or Satan or whatever, but fear him who can destroy everything in hell. And I start to think like, well, if we're going to be fully destroyed, that doesn't sound like eternally burning hell. It doesn't sound like, because essentially what we see with an eternally burning hell is reverse eternal life, basically. It's an mm. eternal life to be tortured and punished forever. But I'm like, that sounds like an eternal death. Yeah. Well, like what the Bible is saying here. Let's, in fact, let's read the most famous verse in the Bible. Go. Do you know what that is? You know where we're going? John 3, 16. Yeah, so go there for us. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God's, why do I have to okay, yeah, just, just, just recite it. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Shall not perish. Now, we know that this isn't talking about the life in which we live right now because all of us die and perish, but it's talking about it in an eternal sense. Oh, you won't, you won't perish. But what's the opposite of perishing? Uh, of Sorry, what's the opposite of eternal life? It's perishing. And what's perishing? Dying. Being dead. Yep. Like, like really like being dead. But... It's like, well, this doesn't sound like an eternally burning hell. This doesn't sound like eternal life. It sounds like eternal death. The opposite of eternal life is eternal death, not necessarily eternal torturous punishment. But then you've got this verse, the smoke um, soars forever and ever. I want to have a look at a couple verses where the Bible uses similar language here. But let's use some critical thinking to come to some conclusions. Go to us, Monica. Isaiah chapter 34 Isaiah chapter 34, and I want you to read verse 9 and 10. This passage is about the destruction of a city of an ancient empire called Edom. Its streams shall be turned into pitch, and its dust into brimstone. brimstone. Its land shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night or day. Its smoke shall ascend forever. From generation to generation it shall lie in waste. No one shall pass through it forever and ever. Okay, so its streams will be turned to pitch. It will be, you know, burned up. Same language that we're seeing here in Revelation chapter 14. And then it says here that the fire will be unquenched, firstly, and then secondarily, that the smoke will ascend forever. But my question is, the million-dollar question, Monica, are you ready to answer it? Yes. Is Edom burning today? No. No. The smoke is ascending in Edom. The the fire has well and truly ended in Edom. It's it is it's come to an end. Yeah. Let's read another passage. Do you want to go for us? Uh, let's go further in the Old Testament. Let's go to Jeremiah seventeen. You can read verse twenty seven for us. 
Jeremiah 17 and verse 27 says this, But if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath day, such as not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle in a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palace of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. Now, this is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, and you can talk about its destruction in, uh, you know, 587 BC by the Babylonians. You can talk about its destruction, uh, in 70 AD by the Romans. Either which way, the city was destroyed and was ultimately destroyed because, you know, the Jews had just uh, gone out of their, well, the Israelites had just gone out of their way to reject God completely and wholesale and it says that a fire will be kindled against it and that fire will be unquenched and will burn with a terrible heat you know in a in a you know forever and ever it's an unquenchable fire but the next question comes up is jerusalem burning today absolutely not and it's not right because it's not burning today because people live there Mm -hmm. finally let's go to jude chapter one well there is no chapters in jude there's only one chapter but just go to jude verse seven for us monica if you can get that Jude in the New Testament uh, and verse 7 says, oh, sorry, just finding Jude. (laughs) As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Yes, so Jerusalem, uh, sorry, Sodom and Gomorrah are burned with an eternal fire. And the question comes again. Monica, are you ready for this? So ready. Is it on fire today? No, absolutely not. No, it's not, right? It's, it's, it's completely not. It's not on fire. We don't see it on fire. We don't see the smoke. It's not. And so when we come then to this passage in Revelation chapter 14, where the Bible says that, you know, the, they will burn in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke will ascend forever. Well, we understand that that's actually a period of time that comes to an end, just like all of these other cities. Simultaneously, it has no rest day or night, the Bible says. But it's like my question, my, my answer to that ultimately is, is like, that comes with a question is if, you no longer exist. Are you resting? And the answer's no, right? If if you're like asleep, you're resting. And resting comes with the connotations that eventually you wake up. Uh, if you no longer exist, if you've been burned with the eternal fire that destroys you from existence, are you resting? You have no rest day or night. Are you resting? The answer is no. Why? Because you don't even exist. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We have come to the time where we give answers. Woohoo! Okay, Breakfast Show Quiz Answers. Here we go. Quiz number one, who was the woman mentioned by only, uh, only woman mentioned by name with the apostles in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit? It was Mary, the mother of Jesus. You can read about that in Acts 1, verse 14. Mm. How many baskets were filled with food after Jesus fed the 5,000? It was 12 baskets of leftovers. When Saul conquered the Al- Am- Amalekites, who did he imprison instead of a- killing according to God's orders? It was King Agog. Finish this gag. proverb. Sorry, Agag. Mm-hmm. Finish this proverb. Labor not to be rich. That's mm-hmm. Proverbs twenty three verse four. And the woman that was raised from the dead by Peter through the Spirit of God was Tabitha slash Dorcas. Man, some amazing stories in here. Particularly, oh, 
Okay, so my car is named Dorcas. I've probably oh, said this nice. on the show before. I love the name Dorcas because I love the story of Dorcas. Obviously, yeah. the first time I read the Bible and I read Dorcas, I'm like, that's pretty funny. You got the giggles? And I'm the like, ah, yeah, you're a Dorcas. Uh, that, that's <laughs> hilarious. But Dorcas is an epic lady. She is. Can we just talk about Dorcas and give her her props real quick? Because she is just the bomb. She is, like, so faithful in such a powerful way. I think if you ever want an example of how to do perfect personal ministry, look to Dorcas. And by personal ministry, I mean like ministry that isn't necessarily preaching up the front or, you know, um, being uh, being some kind of like professional minister. It's just Dorcas, she's in her city. She's a disciple. She says, okay, which people in my city have needs? And she's like, oh, you know, the people in my city who have needs are the widows. So what am I going to do for them? I'm going to like cook them food and make them tunics. And, oh, the people in my city who have needs are these people, that people. And then once so- when something amazingly incredible happens, like she's raised from by, by the Spirit of uh, God, <laughs> she's raised by Peter through the Spirit of God, um, people recognize that and see that, and she has such reputation in the city that they they all just converted. Amen. And I think that when we are doing the same, when we're reaching out to our cities and when we're meeting their needs and when they have an spiritual, a spiritual experience, they have an encounter with God like that, or maybe we have an encounter of God that they can see, whatever it may be, they're more inclined to then believe on God and, and draw closer to him because they're like, wow, look at this person who met my needs. Like it is the best method of evangelism that there is meeting people's personal needs and then being a blessing to them. And and I've seen it time and time and time again, how people have been blessed by that. So yeah, shout out Dorcas. She is just an amazing lady. And I'm, I'm all about, you know, I, but then the question comes up, it's like, okay, if you love Dorcas so much, then if you had a daughter, would you name her Dorcas? And the answer to that is no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Call her Tabitha. That's the other version. It's I, the I'm same all, person. Okay, I know some Tabithas. Mm-hmm. Shout out Tabitha's cool people. I, I don't know if I'm like a huge fan of the name Tabitha. Okay, let's not let's not let's not uh, bash people over the head. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. pretty sure there's a Tabitha listening to this right yeah. now. <laughs> Shout out Tabitha, we love her. But I, I think I think you know whichever Tabitha is listening right now, you rock it well. I I don't know if I want to impede on the Tabitha culture. You know, uh, we also have King Agag here, who is you know obviously. Saul sparing King Agag kind of was the catalyst of his lo- him losing his kingship of Israel and David taking over. But it's actually interesting to note that although all the Amalekites were killed and Agag was spared, Agag continued as a you know some some type of powerful man and had descendants. And when we come all the way down to the time of Queen Esther, and you look at the person who is trying to, um, it's it's. Is it is it Haman? Haman is the guy who is trying. Regardless, the guy who is trying to persecute uh, Queen Esther and the Jews. Well, not Queen Esther. He's trying to persecute the Jews. Haman. He is an Agagite. He is a descendant of Agag, and we can actually see there when Saul spares King Agag. Uh, Samuel the prophet goes to Saul and he says, "What you've done is going to cause you like heaps of pain, and it's a huge problem." And you have done something that is outside of what God was requiring to do you to do, and yeah, it was years and years later, like hundreds of years later, that it resulted in the persecution of God's people. But praise God, you know Esther was there at the time, and and she stood up for God's people, and they're able to, you know, God was able to work and 
find a solution. So, wow, really interesting questions, really interesting stories. Lawson. What are you going to be doing today? I might be following some advice that someone just sent through. Uh, Tim wrote, don't mean to be a doctor. Someone once said that they thought cracked feet might be a result of low vitamin B3. Might or might not be true. Ha ha. So... I'm going to go check that out. I'm going to research that. And if that's true, I'm, I'm like, I might be just go pop some vitamin B3. That's very interesting. I wonder what, um, like fruits and vegetables, like naturally have natural occurring B3 mm. to in- indicate that I might be not eating enough of that. Hopefully yummy ones. Yeah, delicious ones. Maybe yeah. like watermelon or grapes or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, it's like just my favorite. <laughs> I'd love to have a watermelon deficiency. That'd be yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do, dude? To? A green apple deficiency. I would, that would be. Oh, oh my gross. goodness! Hey, do you know what? <laughs> let me let me give you something away for free. Uh, if you jump on our website faithfm.com.au, scroll down a bit on the right hand side, you can see Faith FM's uh, end of financial year giveaway. It's your opportunity to win some free. Uh, Faith of Him merchandise, all you have to do is enter. And there's literally 16 different ways to enter. There's a whole list of them uh, on there. And um, do you know what? I'm going to really push for you to do the first one. The first one's an easy one. It's answer a question. So you just click on it and it's going to ask you a question. It's, I think the question is, how do you feel about Faith of Him? And then you can just write in there how much you love the breakfast show, how much you particularly love Mon. Lawson's not so great, but Mon's just fabulous. No, nah, I'm kidding. You write what you, you write. Right, what's an honest answer for us? And uh, you can go through the other ones and also like there's a breakfast show secret code. Our secret code is Weetbix. Jump on there, win yourself some merch. Absolutely, guys. And remember to talk faith, to live faith, and to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide of Sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.